Can you believe it's 2024? What? I am going into the fourth year of this podcast. So let's kick 2024 off right. Here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. Here we are in 2024. It's hard to believe. With all that's happened in the world the past four years, it's like the longest four years and yet the quickest somehow. I don't know how, but we've all been through quite a bit. So this is also the fourth year of this podcast. That's right. I had planned this podcast well in advance and I was doing a lot of planning in 2018 and 2019. And when we had it all together, I was like, oh my God, it's going to launch 2020 right in the middle of a pandemic. Is that an okay thing to do? Well, it was a great thing to do because the focus of it, as you know, is welcome home to the suburbs. And it's about, you know, moving from city life to suburban life, but also owning a suburban home. And as far as the interior design, what's required, all kinds of guests come on to talk about everything from finances to lifestyle change to decorating tips. So it's really been a whirlwind. And I hope that it has helped you in the fourth year. We want to continue to help and focus on bringing experts in to discuss home design things that you need some help with or information on to guide you with your journey. Now, let's also say that if you bought a house in 2020 or 2021, which could be very likely, those were really big years for purchases, and you are still sitting with empty rooms, I am the first to tell you that you shouldn't feel bad. There has A, been a lot going on, B, it takes time, C, figuring out the way you're going to do it, whether it's DIY with a professional or a combination of both. And the biggest thing is, you know, moving into a bigger space, figuring out how you use the space is really important because you don't want to be too hasty designing a room if it's going to function as something else. And I talk about that on some other episodes where, you know, if it's called the living room and it's supposed to be, let's call it like a formal sitting room, but you really need a spare, let's call it family room with extra TV or an adult family room and a kid's family room, you need to suit the rooms to your lifestyle. And so sometimes that means you have to live in a home for a bit before you want to make the investment of decorating. Now, what I will say by 2024, you have a really good handle now on how you live in the home, how you use your space, what your lifestyle is, and more importantly, you now know what it costs to live in that house. You know what it costs to heat it. You know what maintenance costs are, like you really know them based on how your family lives there. And that's huge because I think that a lot of people moved in and were like, oh my gosh, all these various things I have to pay for now that they weren't used to, and it really adds up per month. So it's not just the mortgage, it's so many other things. But now, if you have been in the house a few years, you're versed on that. And so my opinion is you're now able to really hash out a budget and a goal to get those other rooms furnished. And the first step to that is, yes, figuring out the function, 
than figuring out a budget. I've got free budget planners and all kinds of things in my room planner. So that'll help you. And the next biggest thing is some people stumble over what's my style. And I just came out with this awesome freebie quiz for that too. So you're going to want to grab that as well. These are both free things that come up at the very initial stages of you trying to get your home design that you need help with. So I've developed these freebies for you. But the point being, yes, the house, many homes sit for years without the proper attention. I think the goal is now that you're more informed, now that you're more settled into your community, hopefully in your town, now that you're more settled in the space, now is really the optimal time to figure out any rooms that are just sitting empty. So we'll put in the show notes. I have two digital services to help you accomplish that. And it's a way to have a stress-free experience designing a home, but having a pro by your side, aka me, with seasoned training and education in the industry to really help you so that you can do it on your timeline, your budget, and feeling like you're not going to make a mistake. Having said that, I have a couple more things in 2024 that I want to bring you. One is going to be a new in-home service that I think will be great for people living locally. And the other one you're going to start seeing on social media to really help you find some quick and stylish finds and buys for your own home that you'll be able to use and put together on your own. So really excited for some things that are coming. Can't get too into detail about it right now, but please stay tuned to this podcast and my Instagram social media so that you are right on the forefront of all of it. So you have it all. Being on our email list is also really helpful to get advanced announcements on things that we're doing as well, because the whole idea is to be here to help you. So a little pat on the back for myself, just that we have gone into the fourth year of this. Our fall season was a packed lineup of fantastic powerhouse women covering everything from renovations to color to pattern. We had a book author talking about living with white. So much is there that if you hadn't had a chance to listen to all the episodes, I highly suggest you catch up on some. The podcast is great to listen to if you're on a plane, traveling, going for a run, long car ride, whatever it may be. There's such valuable information from the experts that we brought on in the fall. And we're looking forward to now in the second half of this year, bringing more and more to you to help. So you will hear a combination of experts and me here on the podcast. And the other thing I thought would be fun to do for the first episode of the year, because I always like to pretty much do the first episode of the year. Even though we have guests lined up, I kind of take this one for myself to just kind of launch it and go from there. But I thought what would be good, and I've had this list running for a long time, is I receive a lot of the same questions frequently, a lot of the same design questions. And so I thought I would do a little Q&A where I would bring some of the common questions that I get asked through DMs, phone calls, emails, in-person, whatever, about your home and give you some answers to help you. Because, you know, if a few people are asking, it's probably a question many people have. So I'm going to take the rest of this time to kick off our 2024 episode with some Q&A to help you kick off the year and help you um, figure out, like I said, now that you've been in your home a while, let's get some of these things answered for you that could be you know, making you stumble with your design. But 
Let's also talk about thinking about how can we tackle this, right? So here's a few Q&As that we're going to talk about. And I, this particular topic I talk about a lot. If you follow me on Instagram, I did a very detailed reel about it. And one of them has to do with rug sizing. So I will tell you that 99% of the time, most of you buy a rug that is too small. And when you do that, what happens is it shrinks your eye into the room and it almost makes your furniture look like it's sitting on a little island. So I definitely suggest you go to my Instagram and watch the video. But what you want to do is if you have furniture sitting against the wall, you want to have at least the front legs and up to a third to two thirds of the rug go back. So not all four legs have to sit on it if it's against the wall, but that much should sit on it. If the furniture is floating in the room, all four legs and then some in the back needs to have rug under it. So this will expand the eye. This will open up the room. It's the biggest mistake that I see. And as soon as I see it, it just stops me in my tracks. And I'm like, what rug's way too small. There was a question that came up even last week where somebody had, I want to say like a 10 by 12 sisal and they were doing that layering look where they were taking a sisal rug and then they were going to add a printed rug on top and they were like how big should the printed rug be i was looking at five by sevens i'm like no it should be like eight by ten so always go bigger you know you really always have to think bigger people scale their rugs down way too tiny putting a rug if you have like a sofa a love seat or a sectional sofa and two chairs and you buy a rug that just fits in the center of all that, that is the wrong way to buy a size for a rug. That is what makes it look like a little island. It pushes your eye in, it makes everything look cramped and it doesn't expand the eye. So when it comes to rugs, always think bigger. Another question that comes up all the time in regard to rugs is whether or not to put them on your staircase and hallway. So oftentimes it'll be a runner type look where a couple feet of hardwood is exposed on either side and it goes up. Now, I am a big advocate of this, having living in a suburban home for a long time. And here are the reasons. First of all, it cuts down tremendously on noise. So when you have kids up in the bedrooms running around, it really does act as a sound buffer. It gives something soft and gripping underneath. And you will find that if you have exposed hardwood floor on the staircase and your upstairs hallway, it's very slippery. It's really slippery for pets. Dogs will slide all over the place. They can really hurt themselves. And you and your kids a lot of times run around in socks and whatnot. If you don't have a good sold slipper, it's very easy to slip and have an accident. Now, having said that, you can get very flat rugs so that it doesn't have to be like a big ornate thing. It doesn't have to be big and fluffy. They're flat. They're enough to add softness, insulation, and sound buffering underfoot without having to look like this massive piece of decor. I mean, you can certainly do whatever you want. There are patterns, there's solids, there's weaves, there's jutes, there's nylons, which are really good, or nylons and wools because they're nice and durable and they're good for high traffic. But you really want to consider this, the noise level of running up and down the stairs and having hardwood exposed in the hallway when kids are running around and playing, you will notice a drastic difference in noise. You will notice a drastic difference in your footing and everybody being secure on their feet, kids, pets, yourself. And honestly, it's nice to have something soft underfoot. It's supportive and good for when you walk. One compromise to this is some people will carpet 
and put a runner up the staircase and not the upstairs hallway because they just really want the wood exposed in the hall. You know, I'm fine with that because at least the stairs, which could be a really dangerous place for slipping and falling, is mitigated. But to me, it should go all the way up and around. So that is my two cents on whether you should carpet your hardwood stairs and hallway. To me, it's a no brainer and you absolutely, absolutely should. I know you really want to ask a designer questions. I know you really would love that professional opinion, what to do. I know nothing goes off in your brain when you think about that except the words expensive, intimidating, I won't have a choice. I'm here to tell you none of my services make you feel that way. But my newest service is probably the easiest and most affordable way to quickly get some answers. It is my Solutions Design Micro Session. That's right. And we can select a topic of your choosing, whether you're struggling with space planning, palette, cohesiveness, which items to buy, what not to buy. For $249, you can book that with me very easily and we will spend one hour together and I will be your own personal design advisor for that solid hour. So link is in the show notes or check out my Instagram page or website. I hope to see you there. Okay. The next question that I heard a few times is if I'm in a wallpaper, my guest bathroom or powder room, do I do just an accent wall or the whole thing? So powder rooms, guest bathrooms are usually smaller. And the whole beauty of having a smaller space is being able to experiment with color and pattern. And so to me, all four walls should be done in whatever it is you're thinking of. So having just one accent wall in the bathroom to me isn't as ideal. I don't think it makes as strong of a statement and I don't think it looks as pretty as it could. There's no mistake in doing it, but I believe that if you're going to get a great wallpaper with a graphic pattern or some fun color, then I would do all four walls. And then what's really fun to do is pop an accent color on the ceiling. And it becomes this little bit of a jewel box. So when it comes to spaces like that and you're thinking about wallpaper, don't just do an accent wall, do the whole thing. Okay, next question is, what do I do with my paint color for open floor plans? Yeah, and this can feel really tricky, right? Because you have to find out where the space delineates. And once you kind of find that line, that's kind of your line where maybe another color could be added. But even then, if it's a really open plan, I would usually do a color that's maybe a shade or two lighter or darker than the original color. But if it truly is a fully open floor plan, you know, you may need to use the same color. So an example is when you walk into my front door of my home, the color has to be the same on the wall surrounding you in the front hallway. Also go all the way up the stairs and to the upstairs hallway. So that is all the same color because there was nowhere to stop the first color and start the new color where it wouldn't bump your eye. So that's what you want to think of is how can this, you know, look cohesive without really making a strong delineation. Now, when you take a left, you head right into my kitchen. So what happens is you walk in the front door, everything around you, everything facing you and everything up the stairs is the same color. You take a left into the kitchen and that's where there's a little bit different color and some different things going on. So 
you have to just look at the space, how open it actually is. Is there a delineation line of a room or a seam where you can stop it and start a different color? So open floor plans, people sort of stumble on it. I guess I would say you can't make a mistake if you do it all the same color because then you're not fudging with where's the line and where isn't the line. The other thing you can do, you can make a soft line by taking a shade or two lighter or darker than what you did in the other space. And that'll cause this like gradual flow, but it will still be cohesive. So that is my input on your paint color for open floor plans and where to stop them and where to start them. Okay. And one of the last questions I'm going to address today, but I'll tell you, I have a whole list. So I'm going to do another Q&A episode. And what I'll mention before I talk about the last one is always feel free to DM me any of your questions in the DM. If you know how to leave a voice note and ask your question, I would put it on the podcast and I don't have to use your name if you don't want. I could just say this came in from a listener. And we would just put in your voice asking the question, and then I would answer the question. Or if you're okay with your name being mentioned and where you're from, I would absolutely say, you know, who you are, where you're from, and address your question. So I do have a list of more, which is going to be saved for another episode. And I have more that I'm, you know, would always be happy to add and any questions that haven't been answered today. So please keep those two things in mind. But the last question that comes up often, and I deal with it a lot when I'm working on site with a client or even in the digital services that I do, the question becomes, what do I do with furniture that I really can't part with, right? It's got sentimental value. Maybe it was handed down a couple generations of people, but it just doesn't work in my home. And I have dealt with this personally. So, you know, it's a little bit of a battle because you kind of fight it and you keep it. And then for me, every time I walk by it, it was like, just doesn't work here. It just doesn't work here. And I finally learned many years ago to release it. So if it does not work in my home, there's a few things you can do. If it can be refurbished in a way that does go with your home, like maybe it could be refinished or painted You'd be amazed what you could do with old furniture with like a high gloss lacquer paint in a color. That's one option. Handing it down to another family member if somebody wants it. I just did this great podcast with Shana from The Heirloomist. And we talk about how, you know, you may have these things in your home and she has this beautiful way of photographing them into artwork. And so you could have that piece potentially photographed if it's not too large, either by Shana or somebody else, and make it into a piece of artwork that then hangs on your wall. Ultimately, if you have to sell it or consign it and get rid of it, if you have storage and you can hang on to it for a future family member, maybe in an attic basement or storage unit, those are options. Ultimately, what I have to say is if it doesn't work in your house, if you simply can't incorporate it, if you fight with it to work and it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, you're not going to really like it. And then to me, it depletes the joy out of it of whomever owned it in your family and that sort of special memory you have. So know that you have a special memory of people, whether they're family members or friends or people that have been in your life. And... You know, we don't need to take up square footage necessarily in order to have their memory live on. So 
that would be my advice there. Refurbing can be amazing. I have an older desk of my father's. He recently passed in the spring. It's something that like he just had ever since I was a little girl, I knew about that desk and anywhere he worked, he had that desk. I just remember his office always with that desk and he really wanted me to have it. And in some ways it was like maybe a little more traditional than what's in my office right now. So initially I was like, I don't know if I'm going to take it, but I also kind of couldn't part with it. And so then I came up with an idea that I'm actually going to refurbish it. It's an oak piece and I'm going to bleach the oak and really make it work and in the spring have it redone and then it will be my desk in my office and I can't wait to have it and it will be special because it was his desk. So, you know, there are times where it's great to have it and if you can make it work, make it work, but sometimes you just can't and I have had that happen and if you just can't and if it just fights with everything, try to store it if you can for a later date or a future person, hand it down to somebody else in the family Ultimately, if you have to sell it, you could also keep like a piece of hardware off of it or like make a shadow box of like the hardware or the drawer or the piece of a drawer, you know, take like a piece of it and do something kind of artful with it. That's also another way to incorporate it in your home and have a slice of it, you know, as a memory. So that actually has come up several different times over the years. And I actually have had some clients really struggle because they've had things, whether it be a rug, a gigantic piece of furniture, and it just doesn't work in the house, but emotionally they can't part with it. And it can be a real struggle. So you need to sort of work through that and figure out a way to make it work. One client had a really large rug and he was really having trouble parting with it. But what they wanted to do in their living room, he asked me, honestly, he's like, if I keep the rug, does that fight with what we're doing? And it totally did because the color palette was really strong and it just wasn't going to work. And then I said, well, what if, you know, you have two daughters? What if you cut the rug, have the rug cut in half and seamed and like each daughter gets a piece of it as a rug for their apartment? You know, so try to get really creative if you can, and then that might feel nice by keeping it in the family in a different way or repurposing it into something else that does work. So I'm going to close the show with that last client question that's come up. But like I said, there's Q&As all the time that I hear that I get in my DMs that happen organically when I'm working with a client. And I make note of all of them. And I think putting these episodes together for you are helpful because I think if a handful of you or 10 of you have the same question, then probably 100 of you do. So I hope this was helpful. And I thought it would be a great way to kick off 2024, answering some of your questions. And just remind yourself, it's a new year and you can do something fresh in your home. And I'm here to help you along the way with this podcast, with my freebies and with my services. So happy new year to everybody. Let's hope this one is a happy, healthy, and joyful one for all of you. From my home to yours, thank you for being here. And I will see you right back here in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. If you like what you're hearing on Welcome Home to the Suburbs, I would be so appreciative if you would support the show. The best way to support the show is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I would be so appreciative, and I hope you will leave us a review. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.